Michael Waits Media, telling Asia's stories. Let's go here. Hi, this is Michael Waits, and welcome back to the Asia Tech Podcast. Today, we are joined by Guillermo Vinzval, a co-founder and the CEO of Panya Studios. Hey, thanks for coming on the show. It's great to have you back, actually. Thank, thank you so much, Michael. It's great to be back. Great to see you in person. <laughs> I know, <laughs> which is weird, right? Because we haven't seen each other in person for a while, and yet there you were when I was having, I was waiting for somebody for a meeting. Yeah. And the guy that you were waiting for the meeting for was already there. Yeah, that's how it is. Very. <laughs> that's really weird. Is <laughs> three days yeah. ago? Or two days ago? <laughs> that was weird. And this is good, right? Because we're trying to get on this yearly schedule. We had you in August of two thousand and nineteen on the Thailand Game Changer, and then May 2020 on the Ignite, and now on to Asia Tech Podcast in, what are we, December of The summer is over almost. It's like, it's uh, it's a, one of those very, for me at least, very fast and painful years. <laughs> <laughs> so I, usually they come slow and painful. No, it's fast, <laughs> it's fast. But yeah, it's insane that we're already in the last three weeks, I guess. Yeah, can't even remember weeks. what date it is. You know what I think I know is my brother's birthday is December 12th. Okay. And it hasn't happened yet. I think it's tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, so I have a note to myself yeah. to send him something. I like him a lot. Great. And I like to joke around and just go like, what's new? <laughs> I mean, so much has happened since the last time we talked. Because in May, yeah, ah, we still did remote in May, didn't we? Of yeah. 2020, yeah. I remember sitting in my apartment. This was during lockdown, yep, right so at the yeah, so it was kind of a new experience. I actually enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind. <laughs> I was very, uh, I was actually doing fundraising and while in a small Bangkok apartment, but uh, yeah, it was. I guess I had the same experience as many other people. You got to to take a break from your loops and patterns, and, yeah. and it was it was nice. I was in my apartment from March eighteenth until the end of June. And I literally only went outside to go to Family Mart at the end of the street. Yeah. Not even to the supermarket. Exactly. I had something similar, but then I actually went to an island after June. Did you really? I did. Were you there the whole time? No. So what happened was I I was, as I said, I was doing fundraising, which is kind of challenging inside of an apartment. Yeah. Uh, especially when it's, going slow. <laughs> <laughs> right. So so I went to the island and I, I remember actually closing the fundraise on the beach more or less by phone, which is kind of a nice experience that I, I realized, oh, wait, I, I didn't I done this before, right? Because 14 years before I came to Thailand doing remote work and it's a oh, little wait, bit of it's circular, the same, right? same island as, as well, actually. Really? Yeah. Uh, there was no one doing digital nomads. It was like no digital nomads at the time, as I can remember. I called myself a Macpacker, but uh, <laughs> but I went back. Um, this is Panyang, Kupanyang, yep. outside of Samoy, which is mostly known as a party island. Isn't that where like full moon started? Yes. Which I've never been to. I, I've never been to Kupanyang. I've been there. I don't. You don't need to have that I'm on your going. bucket list. I'm it's not it's going. not uh, an nice event unless you like to watch people. Yeah. Uh, not interested. Just crawl around in their own. Yeah. Things. No. <laughs> <laughs> just not interested. No, no, and it's a sad thing because the island itself is a beautiful island. It's not as developed as many of the other islands, um, and you have parts of this island that is not catering to drunk backpackers it's actually become like i know people that are there that are running funds people yep. that are there that are building companies which you were doing yeah and people there that are raising money i know cfos that are there it's changed Absolutely. a lot in the 14 years when you first learned oh yeah that. yeah no and it's changing even more now it's accelerating uh, i can i can talk a little bit about it like i came there last year stayed for a month and went back to bangkok uh realized that Let's let's go back to the island. Uh, there is nothing <laughs> happening in Bangkok, <laughs> really. and 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 did another month, and and kind of started to realize that we're not over. The COVID thing is not over yet. No, we we were lucky last year to some degree. Yeah, all all the data just kind of pointed to that twenty one is not going to be uh, easy year. So I took all my things and just moved down to the upper west side of 
uh, Panyang, where where you have a lot of remote workers yeah. already. And I guess at the time it wasn't that busy, but now it is. So over the year, it's been tons of people coming in from abroad, uh, setting up their small uh, workspaces in the villas and co-working some some new co-working spaces popping up. Um, and yeah, it's a community there. It's it's uh, interesting. Uh, we even done a few conferences, and it's a more international community than I would say Asian community. And it's also very, very, very blockchain heavy. Yeah. So the, my first introduction to this was a guy that I know who's building, who's building his own venture capital fund. And one of the first people to whom he wanted to introduce me was a guy who's running some kind of blockchain company there. I can't remember his name. But yeah. I think more and more of that is happening. Much more. You have, you have yeah, you have corporate lawyers sitting in yeah. villas, and you, it's, it's, it's. Um, no, it's very interesting. I would say. Because of the density, you would constantly meet new people that would add, call it network value, uh, or, or you can have very interesting conversation about very fresh technology, which I find it harder to do other places in Asia, mostly because the blockchain community is very different from, say, more traditional startups. Very different. Um, it's a different kind of person that's doing yeah. it, actually. Yeah. And and for me, I feel like I'm home again because I yeah. I've been I've been in this game for twenty years. So I remember like the early days of the internet where everything was very geeky, and and now it's geeky, and I love that. <laughs> <laughs> this is playing right into your hands. Oh yeah, it's I'm home. Do you? So are you moving back to Bangkok now, or are you so, staying there? So at the moment, I'm, I'm, I'm staying at the island. I, I do think there is huge potential here for Thailand to start to build, say, remote ecosystems, uh, become a remote hub. What's connectivity like there? Oh, it's, it's great. It's better than my Bangkok. Uh, really? Yeah, you, I've seen very, very good up, upload and download speeds. There is some electricity challenges from time to time, so so that I think is maybe something they need to look into. But but also the island itself has realized that it's more sustainable to have people living there for six months, right? Rather than just waiting for tourists to coming show. in and buying a bucket. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we need more infrastructure to be able to host kind of what I believe is the future of remote, which means not. I, I like to to categorize the remote work in, in two buckets. One is like the digital nomads, which is mostly uh, backpackers with laptops. Right. <laughs> right. And they they live on budget and they are more interested in the kind of life's life experience of traveling around right. and, and seeing the world. While you also now, especially I think after COVID, you're starting to see a shift. We all know that everybody everybody went remote, right? We we don't only have developers working in teams remote, we have whole organizations working in teams remote. And that's fantastic. I think the challenge with that is that you still need some kind of social um, social interaction. Uh, interaction. You have to. And yeah, and I think this is what these islands to some degree solves because you can you can work somewhere where you sit and work all week, maybe um, focused, but then you, you go to the beach and you interact with people that um, that's, the, the that's in the same space, but also not only that, but but also the fact that these companies actually needs place. The remote companies, uh, say remote native companies, especially needs places to meet and 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 actually see each other. Right. right? This is this is a key thing. Uh, outings, and I think these things can be hosted um, at islands like this. We know this anyway, but it also opens up a whole new business line for some of these islands, right? Like you said, their earnings had been. Yeah. up and down in cyclical. So on season, a lot of people would be there. Off season, they're just waiting for people to show up. Yeah. But if you can live there 12 months out of the year, and to be fair, I have been looking at renting a place on the island, on that yeah. island in particular, for months right now. But I'm so stuck in the busyness of what I'm doing. Yeah. Because the prices there are ridiculously reasonable still. They're putting up a podcast studio now. so I'm sure they are. They are. <laughs> I'm sure they are. But I, but I think, yeah, no, the prices are... 
actually, yeah, increasing on villas with sure, kitchen sure. because that's where you, you, you have people sitting there now working for SF companies with 600,000 baht salaries. Right. So that's a different animal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I think the first ones that build, uh, call it city-like co-working space, like we work uh, level, will make a lot of money. I agree. And I don't need to see the beach when I'm working. I, no. I just need to open the door and see the beach. Right. Yeah, I just need to know what's over there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and that will also not only host people from abroad, it will host people from the city, Singapore, Bangkok. And I think this, these things are much more sustainable than the tourism we had in the past. Agreed. So. Agreed. And there's some question, like I don't even know how comfortable I am getting on a plane right now, regardless of vaccinations and stuff. Yeah. It's exactly. just been so long. This is the longest time in my whole life that I haven't been on a plane. Yeah, it's, anywhere. it's true. I, I've been on the domestic plane. but yeah. <laughs> Talk to me about the evolution of Panya. Panya, yeah. That's, a, <laughs> that's been, that's been a, a learning-full journey. Uh, when you learn something, it also comes with a lot of pain. So it's been a long journey already. We started Panya Studios out of the Venture Builder Santora Nakama right. in 2018. Um, I don't need to go too much into detail no. about the venture builder, I guess, no. but but we we had one project going over over twelve months. That was actually a project I led in the I, I called it like that was my little project in the corner. Uh, that was two a group of a team of three people, two developers and a designer, UX designer, doing a prototype of what we looked into being a video live video dating app more or less so we had like i think three or four prototypes uh over the year the agenda there was one thing is to get familiar with video live video of course also creates a functioning app but also um i see this as a, as a great way to also build very uh, tight teams uh when you when you're starting to build something from scratch it's very challenging uh, to have uh, to put together like a team of two three people yeah, it's hard. and 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 go with speed so during this month we were actually looking also into uh in the, in the studio we're looking into uh smart contracts blockchain uh At the same time yeah it was 2017 i think this was like the end of 2017 where you had crypto kittens um right. starting to uh, get some attention. The smart contracts were new. The ICOs was going on. Um, so there was like something happening in the space. Uh, I have been following blockchain since 2000, I guess, 11, um, but not really been. I'm not. I'm not like an investor that in that way. I, I, I'm. I'm. I'm in this game for the innovation and the product development. That's what drives me and, and gives me energy. So, so we were looking into it. But at the same time, we saw a few things happening uh, around HQ Trivia in the States, and we doubled down on, on this interactive live trivia game show model that became Panya, um, released it in, was it February 2018, after two and a half months, I guess, of development, uh, which again, the reason why that went very fast was because of all the pre prototyping um, uh, 12 months earlier. So nothing come fast, but no. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It always looks like it from the yeah, outside. Yeah, it looks like it. But um, we did this test, invited, was it 60 friends and family to test the app? And from there it went to 2 million users in the next month. So the first million in the first four weeks without any marketing, any everything was organic. So it was a complete network effect. and. It was, it looks most likely from the outside that like these things are like, wow, that was great. Congratulations. But it's, it was a nightmare to, <laughs> to, to keep this flowing. Um, this is like the Twitter fail well, right? I mean, in a way, Twitter didn't grow nearly as fast. But if you remember back in the early yeah. days of Twitter, you'd log on. It would just be like, sorry, we're not here. Yeah. No. Uh, oh, I've I done this before as well. Right. We, I had a social network in Norway in 2002 that went viral as well. And, and we had to ask people to, to wire us money for servers because there was no <laughs> other way to get it. It was like no investors. Uh, but but um, yeah, it went uh, mental. We had, um, 
every show we we had like these 15 minutes live shows two times a day a hundred thousand people would join so you had like this flash mob coming at the same time so the technology was quite fresh it was very expensive to 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 host this cdn was like we were actually i think at some point the second biggest cdn consumer in thailand i think um netflix yeah insane and 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 the the challenge here is like we we haven't really we just started (laughs) if i remember correctly there were three people on the team yeah it was insane we went from three to i think 40 people in two and a half months or something yeah. so which is also a challenge yeah it's a challenge when you also need to raise money to pay them uh, <laughs> and, and and when everybody's uh, all the investors would ask you do you have any revenue do- uh, numbers for the last six months it's like we we just started, started six weeks ago right and i'm trying to keep the service alive we cannot <clears throat> monetize at this moment so so that was pretty challenging it was like we were running my the tech team which was also fully Thai tech team uh, was doing a fantastic job. They were working, I think, day and night every weekday to keep things running and to to develop features. Um, It was the most uh, engaged group of people I ever worked with. So it was um, interesting times, uh, challenging times for them as well. It's it's very... um, it's draining <laughs> to, to work like that. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it was, it was fun. And we had, I think we, we had all the, we had like 20 brands calling us to, to put their, um, to put their, um, brand on, to, to, to be sponsoring shows. Um, but things were more complicated than that. We, we thought we kind of cracked everything. I think Sequoia was, kind of interested um, we had a little bit we became like the hot chick in or we 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 went to the bar and the hottest chick started to kind of talk to us right, right, right. And, and i think that was part of the challenge because we thought things would be easy uh but it never no yeah never is <laughs> did, did that whole experience change because panya's still around and it's doing yeah. different things and i want to get to that in a second right but did it change the way you thought about early stage investors. Do you know what I mean? Because it, let's, let's just go through these really quick details. Yeah. You prototype something, you think about something for a while, you start building the thing, and in two months you launch this thing, right? Yeah. Basically. Although you've done a lot of prep work before that, for sure. Yeah. In four weeks you get a million people. You're having 100,000 people a show. Yeah. In a way, it's just like trying to save the company's life just to keep everything afloat. So the idea that you could be out selling in like a casual way, hey, you know, for every ad on this thing or for every blah, 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 you pay this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. It's almost un- it's almost unbelievable because you hadn't planned on that for sure. No. And now you have 40 people back there just cranking it out seven days a week, yeah. 24 hours a day. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to go raise some money. This should be easy. Give me a few minutes, yeah. basically. I mean, more. I'm simplifying. Yeah. And then you go to raise money from people you may know, actually, and they say, can we see like six months revenue? And you're like, yeah. Do you understand what we've just done? Exactly. Anyway, so has this changed the way you think about this? Well, it changed. Well, it, it it creates two things. Like, it makes you think: Am I really, really that bad at explaining things? <laughs> 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 or you also understand: Yes, there is a challenge in in a market where we have. Uh, for me, it was more confirming a few things. Unfortunately. Uh, Having said this, there was a, was a lot of was a lot of great people coming with good advice. We had an amazing conversation with Sequoia. Um, I think their their reason to not go in after a uh, very good conversation was had more to do with more macro things and what was also happening maybe in the states. I, I can go to let's not that's go okay. into that now. No, but okay. um, but I think it did confirm that. A lot of the VCs are maybe even there's a lot, a lot of VCs lack experience with operation and uh, product, and I think it was very challenging for them to see what this weird thing was. Could and I, uh, and for me being a being also to some degree, I've been a VC uh, that when it's weird and you don't understand it, 
you that's got my, probably, you got that's my probably, attention. Yeah, that's probably why you have to invest in it at some level, right? Even take a little bit of risk on it. I would go a little bit further for me. Yeah. This is Michael's opinion. Yeah. Is that they're also not super experienced at actually making the investments as well. And if a company like this, again, my opinion, had been built in Silicon Valley or somewhere where there's a whole bunch of sort of dynamic investors out there, yeah, there may have been a competition to put money in. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. No, it's... But anyway, we, we, we decide to live where we decide to live and yeah. operate in an ecosystem where we decide to operate. So fair enough. Yeah. yeah. It has its pros and cons. Absolutely. Um, and, and it's also part of the ecosystem developing and, and also looking uh, in the aftermath. There is definitely things I could have done differently that would have given it a completely different outcome. Um, but that's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's another story. So what actually happened that we, we more or less pivoted into B2B. Uh, we had quite a few um, inquiries from gaming studios, especially abroad, to to license our product. And for me, that was just, okay, survival. So we, we did so. And also we had, to some degree, a semi-acquisition, semi but that went a little bit sour when COVID happened. So... So you, had, we, you had somebody offer you to buy the technology. Yeah, we, we, we more or less was, we more or less was sold, but not paid. <laughs> <laughs> not, at least not everything. So that, that actually uh, brought us to, 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 to 2020, where I think around January, February, things started to, to not look good for that acquisition. And I was back into fundraising. I was actually super happy because I was like, I, at, at some point I had a job there where I could get fired. And I was like, enjoying that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, up to somebody else. Let's yeah, yeah, no, me. I don't need to worry that much anymore. But then I had to worry again. So, so, so that, so the, what happened then was COVID happened. So I kind of understood very fast that to build, a, uh, to build, to keep on selling a platform that is based on marketing, um, uh, branding, uh, uh, advertisement budgets to to be um, flexible, might not be a good idea for the next months. Um, uh, not knowing what was happening with right. the world, so we pivoted into live shopping and and saw that we could use our gamification knowledge from the last couple of years and the live streaming knowledge uh, and and uh, find ways to bring up sales and retention on live shopping. So we we started a project with Pomelo Fashion um, where we integrated our SDK and built an SDK into their app. For they're, they're still doing that, yeah? Yes. Uh, it's changed a little bit how things are done, but we it was a very, it, it was fascinating to see how you can convert and not necessarily huge audience into amazing revenue in terms of 60 minutes it's like it's absurd how these things work when you really get it it's a combination of technology uh content shop attainment um combined with um yeah gamification and there was a company that just got funded or at least just announced the funding today in singapore i believe yeah i saw it on linkedin this morning they raised two and a half or 2.4 million dollars i can't remember i think we're still very very early stage on social commerce i think yeah. it's i think it's this the market's definitely catching up to you oh yeah yeah and i think china is like what's going on in china is like it's insane numbers i think part of why it's going slow is that you have you have the technology there but you don't necessarily have the content creators because one thing we learned in panya was that we had competition from big chinese players from line from they were all going head to head with us right and content is still king it is and that's why we're here <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh but that's why i'm still alive actually. yeah exactly otherwise who knows and 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 also that's part that's the part where my background is in film so well background is like 20 years ago but uh but but tech uh the interesting part for me in tech has always been uh, around storytelling and content so yeah. So, um, so we, we were actually about to, to race another round earlier this year to, to scale up the, the social commerce part when one of our first investors, um, IPO'd, uh, their company, one of their companies and called me and said, Hey, 
let's let's get back into B2C uh, and, and maybe do do it a little bit differently. And I was all ears because doing B2B is great, but it's not fun. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> at least for me, I am um, I'm a B2C guy. And B2C means instant verification from from your audience. But also, I think that people, and I say this all the time on my shows, people have like this visceral connection with other people. They don't have that connection with other companies. Sometimes the companies feel like they do. Like all my yeah. training shoes are Nike. But if Nike went away, I wouldn't be sad. No. I wouldn't be nostalgic. I'd just start buying it. <laughs> Some Adidas. people would. But yeah, yeah no. but you understand what I mean, though, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But if you went away, yeah. I really would be honestly, like, devastatedly sad yeah. kind of thing. That's a, that's a good sign. Uh, <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. <laughs> absolutely. No, so that's it's, why it's... the B2C is so much more fulfilling, because if you like what I do, yeah, y absolutely, I'm happier. No, absolutely. And I think this is also what you see reflected in, in a lot of uh, the developer innovation happening right now especially in the course of blockchain and the network effects there it's it's about it's also about it's 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 more it's easier to work with data which you see from your users than actually listening to um, your early stage b2b clients trying to tell you what they need because they don't know usually what they need right and uh, and all respect to people doing that well it's just not what makes me happy the most happy yes. yeah and, th and that's actually <laughs> and this is the thing that a lot of people forget that's actually one of the things that's the most important right? yeah like you could probably build a killer b2b business and make a lot of money doing it but at the end of the day you're a ton happier yeah doing this yeah and i think that's extremely important in anything you do that if you're not happy you it, it's it's super hard to build business it's super super hard to build any type of startups and if you're not happy with what you're building, that's when you're burning out. That's when you're getting into a very unhealthy loop, I think. Yeah, I mean, so, so that's the key thing. You don't necessarily have to have passion, but if it doesn't make... Passion is great. Yeah, yeah. Passion is something you can learn. Passion is something you can come with exploring and digging deeper. But if you don't... <laughs> yeah, if you don't like your sector, then... What are you doing? So Do something else. But I can confirm this. I've never made such little money in my whole life and been this happy. That's great. great I mean hear. that very seriously. I, I believe you uh, very strongly, and I think more people should to listen Yeah, listen to the heart when it comes to these things. Yeah. I made a ton of money before and I was yeah. miserable. <laughs> I, the people I know with the most money, no, not yeah. the people I know with the most money, but say the majority of people I know with a lot of money are not happy people. Yeah. Um, it depends a little bit on how, how they many um, got it got the money if they self-made or not self-made also yeah exactly tend to so talk to me about this b2c coming back to b2c so yeah. what is panyan now so panyan now is so what happened was we um we had a talk with the investor i we more or less did a term sheet to go into b2c continue um both using our game show technology but combined with the social commerce However, back to happiness, um, fashion pushing is also not necessarily what I am. I, I think social commerce is super fun, but I was also seeing that there is things happening right now that I just need to be part of. I need to get back home. And that was the development of Web3. So okay, we have to stop though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, <laughs> wait. wait. I, I, yeah. No, I'll just say like my 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 lead investor is um, a big gaming investor. Okay. So for me, the conversation usually I would never pivot after si signing a term sheet, but but I took the phone and said, "Hey, can we just change the strategy?" Right. Uh, <laughs> and 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 he was very happy about that and. Um, I, it's a yeah it's fun to have investors that you can call and and really geek out <laughs> and talk about the future of what you want to do yeah so this gets back to what we were talking about before right what do you learn about taking on investors most startup founders particularly first time which you're not at any level think that money's a commodity and that you can take it from anybody and it's the same 
Yeah. But money comes with a personality as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So you're you're fortunate because I, this money came with somebody who's flexible enough to think about it, but also to trust you and is as geeky as you yeah. are, so you can geek out with them. Ah, fantastic. Yeah, it's it's like, well, it's it's just, I, it is like dating. It is relationship. It is. It is it's it is. like if you're going in, you don't necessarily need to. You can have people on the cap table that you don't need to. Uh, talk to every week or month for that sake uh, or quarter and there might be people in the cap table that want your attention all the time while they're not necessarily adding any value that much value yeah. and I don't mind talking to any of people any of the people supporting me of course but there is like there is limited time to to uh, to please everyone every all the time, but but having people that also understands your values and understand your industry, yeah, and don't on not only want to opinionate, but actually uh, might not be too obsessed about telling you where to go, but more what's happening in this space right now, and and that's super fun. Right. So, I yeah, when it comes to Putting people on the cap table, be cautious. Uh, and I've turned down term sheets that could be critical, but I saw that I could not marry that person. Exactly. And, and I, I equate this with being married. Yeah. And I would know because I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, it's, it's, it's harder. But I think also the ecosystem in Southeast Asia is getting um, better and better. Yep. And, and there will be more competition between also investors. And I think... Uh, I see a lot of new investors popping up that have the experience that would add value over only the financial capital. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so what is Web 3.0? Oh yeah. So where do we start? I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm anxious about explaining Web 3.0 because I have a feeling I will either go on a like I would go jabber for three hours or I would, someone would say like, that's bullshit. That's wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, let's start with 1.0. I'm, so I've been, I'm old. <laughs> so I've been on the internet since I think 95, started to try to make money in 96, I guess, 97 or something. So I, I kind of explored the first parts of web, yeah, the, uh, the early part. Um, that was more or less when I would say you can you can quote like Silicon Valley the, the show like when you put radio on the internet when when everything was just like information flow open protocols was kind of the big thing. Um, the new new thing. The new new thing. Yeah, things looks more like ugly magazines. The only reason why people had internet was most likely porn because it was like no, nothing, nothing really <laughs> the same going reason on why there. They first bought DVDs. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing that drive the technology is war, porn, and gaming, and it's interesting because the internet came to the world with with um, because of military development, and now we're seeing something in the Web three that also relates to one of these three categories. Uh, but anyway, Web one point we started to see. Uh, let's ju just jump directly to 2.0, yeah. which was when we started to see ap applications being built. There was a read and write. Um, these uh, people understood, understood that you can actually create... Uh, we started getting transactional. Yes, transactional. You could, you, I could do something with it. You, could get, you, could, you started to create network effects right. of information. So we started to see the first social apps, um, early 2000. We started to see um, a more uh, of a different value proposition than just putting information online. Uh, you actually would get feedback loops uh, based on the information you put yeah. out. We started seeing things like Skype and AOL Messenger and ICQ and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, and and it started to build very big companies, as we know today: Facebook, uh, Twitter, TikTok, um, Google. Google, and these companies have also started to create some problems in the world depending on who you ask i guess but but we see kind of challenges these days in terms of monopoly yeah where we have it's a little bit back to the 80s with tv where we have like a few channels Three networks and yeah. that's it yeah yeah exactly and 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 that has to do with 
how the whole system is designed because it's a centralized system where people are owning your data right. and it's owning its servers. It's if you want to take your Facebook followers to, um, I don't know, anywhere uh, where <laughs> waits, waits book or something, <laughs> um, you cannot. And, and, and this is a problem with the top down type of organization, yep. which the internet was never necessarily meant to be. No, it was meant to be an open protocol, right? Yeah. TCP IP is out there. Yeah, exactly. So entering 3.0, um, I think there's a few definitions of what 3.0 is. I believe it is a, decentral a decentralized network. Um, is a layer on top of the current web layer where we have maybe web 2 um, being a great place for distribution. Um, you have networks where you can uh, get your podcast distributed yep. <clears throat> through your social networks and, and uh, paid networks. Um, but now with 3.0, what is the biggest game changer is suddenly you also own your own data. So that means you can generate money or you can have ownership to anything you put online or, or so how your time is used online. Right. Or what so kind of, yeah. in, to, in Web 2.0, whatever data you create gets owned by the companies that give you the platform where it's created, right? So Facebook makes money because you and I are there. Yeah. So they get to use our eyeballs and our clicks to make money. Exactly. And I think Web 3.0 is meant to say, that was neat, but it's actually me that has the value. Yeah. I that have the value. And if I have the value, there needs to be a way that that gets set up so that that value generates to me and yep. not to the people that own the platform. And this is the decentralized aspect of this. Is that right? More or less, yeah. So there is, there is uh, I think there is tons of content out there for anyone that wants to really deep dive into 3.0 because right. it takes like a couple of hours to actually sure, go into sure, details sure. here. But I would say what's, magic about 3.0 is that you can create um, network economies out of like if I if I build a network of um, so actually better if you do it because um, you are a creator right you are creating this podcast um, I don't know how many listeners you have but you could choose if you want to to have say a million listeners that are maybe distributed through centralized um, services or you could and then you get maybe advertisement or, or you have some subscription fees through paid through these uh, services or maybe you can just say hey I want a thousand if I can get a thousand subscribers to pay me a thousand dollars I can create completely different content for you guys and you will pay me a million dollar if you that, that would not be very easy um, until now right so that's like one one use case i can see <laughs> but i think the point here is that anything you put online mm -hmm. anything you you get online instead of saying going into a game where you're paying actually for access to a database you are starting to generate um uh, your whatever you generate inside of these ecosystems can now be yours and you can take it anywhere through your wallet. Right. So, so the point here is like everything, of course, is then uh, being the infrastructure lying on the bottom here is the blockchain and the new technologies that are popping up right now, NFTs. I know there's a lot of hype about flipping JPEGs, but the functionality and the utility of these kind of tokens um, is the beginning of a, a very, I think, very, we're in very, very early days of very uh, re revolutionizing technology. So you, you know that I like to make analogies yeah. because I'm too stupid to understand the technology. That's not really true, but you understand what I mean. As, yeah, that's it, a good way. In the, old, <laughs> in the old days though, right, people would take paper and exchange it for goods and everybody would say, this is, I'm talking about centuries ago, right? Like no one's going to take paper for stuff. I take stuff for stuff. And there was all this hype around paper, money paper, right? Yeah. It felt like a fad. 
but you can make fun of it or you can then utilize it in a way that makes sense. And I think NFTs are really just like going straight down to the bottom of ownership and digitalization of assets, which is going to happen to every asset, Absolutely. every single asset. So the idea that the first NFT sells for a million dollars and it's just a bunch of dots or a bunch of pickles on a thing. Yeah, sure. You can focus on that, but it's really a head fake. Yeah. The real stuff is happening off to the left or off to the right, depending on how you're looking at it. And that is going to happen and it's going to steamroll every other type of asset ownership, whether it's a stock and a bond, a stamp or a pen, because yeah. that interoperability is almost like an FX rate, right? I have pounds, you have dollars. In, the pounds are useless in the United States, yeah. but I can switch them into dollars. So they're fungible, yeah. right? But my car is not fungible. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's normal. Absolutely. Now it's just been technologized. Yeah. It's just, just actually, well, it happened maybe, is it three, four years ago? But yeah. it's it just hit, hit the model load. Um, yeah. And I think we're still in the stage. I, I compare it in my head at least to, you know, when the smartphones came, um, the first apps on the iPhone, they're all kind of novelty apps. Like, like a mirror or a yeah, fart app. Or yeah, the fart whatever. app. You, could, yeah. you, could, you, could, you had a screen showing that you could drink a beer out of your app. Very, very functional. I think we are ahead of that. We, we have more functional <laughs> things going on, but we're at the same stage or maybe even earlier if you compare it because... In value creation, for yes, sure. Yes, yes. So because... What we have created now is a decentralized computer lying on top of the internet yeah. where you can create, as you say, you can have these digital assets that are also smart contracts or smart they're the software right. that can not only just prove that it's yours, but could also be programmed to do fantastic uh, things in the future that I don't think we even have any idea of how conceived far it can go. No. Yeah, not conceived it yet, yeah. And that's what excites me. And that's that's what makes me super, super, yeah, excited about the next steps. Absolutely. Because we're in the very first 1% of this. Right, and that was my point, is that you can joke around about a bunch of pixels getting sold for a million dollars. Yeah. But that's irrelevant. This is just a proof of concept for the technology and really just the first implementation, right? Because if every app today was a beer drinking app, Yeah. It would yeah. be on us. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. No, and it's it's funny to read some of the headlines because I think uh, you need these hypes to to get these things to market. Maybe. But um, but there's also it comes with all this misinformation and miscommunication. I saw I saw that that all the newspapers were to, uh, all the blogs were talking about this um, the Pirate Bay of NFTs where someone had like downloaded all the NFTs of. Uh, big marketplaces which is completely pointless right <laughs> it's like it doesn't have any the functionality right it's like it's it's like taking pictures of all the galleries of out the there Lisa, <laughs> yeah. right, trying to sell it. this is the thing that people forget and i was having this conversation yeah. yesterday it's like sure i can make a photocopy of every monet but it doesn't have any value no because you can't prove that it's real well, you, you Print it out and put it on the wall, and yeah, that, that's a great. Nice picture, but that's yeah. not the whole point. Exactly, right? Like copyright doesn't go away; no. it just gets softwareized. Yeah, and I think, and I think there is things here that we we have accepted in terms of luxury products, in terms of art, uh, that can also not necessarily be explained in a very rational way. Sometimes, why do people spend this much money on these bags right. and not? these bags or yep. why do you have shoes costing like five thousand dollars not talking about you uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but these weren't even five thousand uh, yeah exactly but now we we just made a digital asset that can communicate that same identity to people's personality exactly and i think it's just like yeah it's it's maybe more shameless when you're owning a crypto punk for like five hundred thousand dollars but it's also a way to communicate um, culture and, and being part of a uh, type of society and club. Yeah. So somebody bought the suit, the only remaining suit that John Travolta wore in Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, yeah exactly. For $125,000. Yeah. So I don't understand why it's more shameless to own a crypto no, exactly. than it is to own that suit. I, it's just, it's, just uh, it's new. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and it looks like a toy. And if it looks like a toy, but it goes like this, then 
pay attention. Yeah, but on the other hand, you can go and buy a suit for $1,000 and everybody does that. Exactly. And that's what this is going to turn out to be. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you're seeing very interesting social, um, what do you call it? Like uh, how how these how some of these NFT clubs is now starting to create like events and building like a physical presence or, or doing brand deals. Uh, it's fascinating to see where I believe that investing into NFTs are a very, very dangerous thing. Uh, I think maybe even 90% will lose money here, but I think what's happening in terms of how you can identify, how you can by buying certain visual elements tell the world around you that I'm part of this group of people and this is my tribe. Right. That that's that's what we've been doing for the history of time. So right, like what value does a Red Sox baseball cap have? Exactly, I don't play on the team, exactly, but I yeah. will wear the cap. Yeah, but but this is just the beginning. So the the next kind of utility use of of these technologies workings are going to be very interesting especially in terms of media as well how it will distribute like how it will uh, definitely and any any industry that have high margins will especially in media right now will will struggle in the future for sure and things things will be decentralized it's all it's already happening yeah i mean look at this studio it's a nice studio it's a very nice studio but the major media companies can't compete with this no. because their margins are way too high and their costs are way too high. Yeah. And we can create value at the same, uh, create quality at the same level. Yeah. At much lower cost. Yeah. And, and if you really want to scale up your business right now, yep. you, you don't go to one investor. You, you go and realize you, you, you create your token exactly that you have al- you have already a community out there the listeners the people listening to this podcast exactly is your potential investors and users and co-creators in the future exactly exactly so what is Panya doing now um, Panya kind of went a little bit back into where it all started so that means we we sit on some technology that is very we, we've been working on play to earn. Like as I don't know if you need to explain play to earn. Uh, it's also been one of the hypes over the last months. Uh, Axie Infinity kind of been. Um, I was blown away that. that Anderson Horowitz invested in Yield Guild Games. Yeah, I've spoken to Beryl and that team actually. Yeah, yeah it's amazing one of my stuff. Other shows really interesting story. So, so in short, I think crypto gaming and and game play to earn is what's going to onboard uh, the masses into the blockchain. Uh, not necessarily. With the same kind of user interface as we know today, it, things are still quite hard for the normal yep. um, user. UX is still a big issue, but the incentives in terms of play to earn, where instead of you paying a provider to to play their games, you are now being paid for uh, your effort inside of the game, as long as you're kind of creating value into the entertainment value of the game. Right. That's that's changing dramatically right now. This is the big last year was DeFi um, blockchain. Decentralized products were booming and, and you're starting now to see it's almost like when you build a nation state, you kind of need the infrastructure and you need the financial structure. And then now with NFTs, you have the property rights and now the metaverses are starting. It's going to get built right on top <laughs> of it. It's built on top of it. You needed these elements to kind of create a backbone. And and games are driving that. Um, so play to earn mechanism where you are making money out of um, playing on the platform. So say in Axie Infinity's example, Axie is not selling anyone um, their, their game elements, like the Axies that people are using to and fight they are not the ones selling that that's the users the players are selling that to them inside of the economy and axis um, axis making money through the the taxes and fees on top of that so they're like just hosting a platform and nobody owns the uh, only the user owns the so game is there items any, is there any other place where people build little pieces of businesses interact with each other where there are rules 
and then the person that creates those rules or monitors them takes some kind of taxation. I feel like I've heard like this I, before. There, someone's f- figured that out a few hundred years. No, but there's. I feel like I've heard this before. It's been done before. <laughs> I feel like the Greeks did this. I think there was a, some, Maybe somewhere the Romans that, yeah. did it. No, it's really interesting how how all these. It's almost like every product now is turning into its own economy, right? It's almost like are we building, are we building companies or are we building cities or are we building uh, economies net- it's definitely network econ- economies and then how will these economies also start to interact it's, it's super fascinating because mm. if you look at it from a more philosophical perspective this Go is the it. first time in history of man we have seen like free flow market so people can now associate based on their interest as opposed to their geographical location exactly but like you talk about being norwegian yeah the place where you were born is just a historical accident. Yeah. And in a way, same for me. Exactly. This is actually an interesting part of the discussion around metaverse because... I like it a lot. Go pe- ahead. Pe- pe- people often say, why? why? So <laughs> I, I also believe that people should be out in nature and I believe that they should be taking care of their health by being physically active. Absolutely. But I see very often that people judge this as a dystopian kind of future where everybody's sitting with their uh, virtual reality sets on and are more or less uh, rotting away. I think people very often forget that most people in this world do not necessarily have access to, say, culture, to experiences that some of us are very lucky to have explored. And I think these kind of, this kind of technology um, will democratize the possibility for more people at least to not only ex- be on a concert or, or or explore things that they couldn't explore at home or experience things that they, they maybe they've been living in yeah not super healthy environments um and i think we haven't seen the beginning of these things and i think i think for for the bigger population i think uh, the upside here is um most likely bigger than the downside. Absolutely. So we talk a lot about, particularly with DeFi, right? So yeah. Decentralized finance. We talk about um, <clears throat> financial literacy. And we also talk about financial inclusion. But yeah. What you're suggesting, and this is actually kind of an interesting way to think about it. Maybe we'll coin a term today or two. Cultural literacy. Yeah, exactly. And cultural inclusion. Because you're yeah. right. There's a whole, we, we take for granted. Yeah. And at least we're self-aware enough to know that out of the 7 billion people in the world, most of them don't live exactly in the same privileged way that we get to live. Yeah, it was it was um, that's interesting. I had a discussion with someone that said we were talking about Axie and they were mentioning that that sounds very sad that they have to sit and play a game eight hours a day um, to make money. But I was like, but but you have to think about what else they would do for that money. And we're not talking about necessarily people on the same. Um, are you kidding me? Do you know what I did for eight hours a day to <laughs> yeah, earn money? Exactly. I clicked a bunch of buttons. I watched a bunch of things on a screen. Yeah. I bought some stuff and sold some stuff. It doesn't sound that different from being a sales trader to me. Absolutely not. And you see, well, Philippines is very interesting. I'm pretty sure some of this is PR material, but for sure. But during COVID, apparently, Axie has been uh, a big brick in the society where people that were losing their jobs could now start to play a game where they make much more money than they would if they were working at any other fast food joint. Right. For a majority of the people, I think, especially being in Southeast Asia, with these amounts of people uh, working on minimum wages, I think gaming, play to earn, will have a massive impact on their well-being for the next 10 years, 20 years. I agree. So what was the question? Uh, You said, (laughs) where are we going with this? Yeah. So, So are you building games now? I'm building games um, as I as we see it. We were doing play to earn uh, 2018 when we did Panya. Uh, we learned a lot about economies and and how to do this. We did not do that on the blockchain. We actually looked into it at right. the time. I don't think it was the right time to do it. I think now um, things have changed dramatically. So so Panya Studios at the moment is turning more or less into a Web3 studio. We are taking our old technology, we're building new technology. I'm uh, 
been lucky enough to have a new tech partner, uh, Kasima from uh, Omisa Go, um, has joined the team. Uh, it's, it's super fun to to play with someone that's been also deep down into the in the weeds in the weeds uh, when it comes to the smart contracts. This is I'm, I'm more on the vision and product side. Um, so first of all, it's very fun to 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 play around in this space, and I think what I see right now is that um, when I was doing venture building. We, 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 we cracked a few things. We cracked the idea stage to, to product market fit, but it was very challenging to do homeschooling startups and then get it to the next follow-up funding because of cap table issues, yep. but also in terms of um, scaling more than one company at the time is insane. Uh, don't do it. Um, but <laughs> Don't try this at home. But there is another element to to blockchain that we haven't really on web3 that we haven't really talked about which is maybe what makes me me, me even more excited than nfts and that's the dao yeah. the decentralized autonomous organizations so the way i see the future of companies the future of definitely venture building but also what's happening right now is like from like from doing venture building and starting to look more like a typical game studio where you're not necessarily building a structure of seven companies and you don't have to deal with all this um, incorporation and, and, and the mess. Uh, you can do this in a completely different way, a way that I think we're still exploring, but where we're looking into more pro what I call progressive uh, decentralization, where you take the best out of the Web2 product development combining it with a Web3 um, upside, meaning you can go and scale your business in a completely different way. You can go to an exit in a completely different way that you did before. I think one of the problems we're seeing in Web3 right now is you have all these token offerings where people promise you to create the product, but they will never deliver because they never created a product before. They created a smart contract, and that doesn't actually take that much to do. Not really. To innovate the contract takes a lot. But since everything is open source driven, anyone can copy paste anything out there. But in Web2 and in gaming especially, we have so many good people, product developers, people that have been flickering on user experience and really understand how these things work. And they are about to enter into the Web3 game. And I think based on the background I have with, with venture building, I see how there is elements of the, these two places right now that can be put together. And that's what we're doing with Panya Studios. We're taking, we're building tracks, or say that we, we are operating more as a lab, but with focus on um, building products and games in, in a decentralized world, um, which has the goal to exit into a decentralized model. Meaning that you're starting with a centralized team, a tight team. You, 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 you stay agile um, doing that. And you take that to market by building community and having the support function of, say, the studio model by having the developers focus on the product and product managers focus on the product while you have the studio model also then supporting on marketing and community building around that, which is very important parts of crypto. Yeah, and also if you're doing it in the DAO structure, right? If it's a decentralized autonomous organization, nobody at the end of the day is really running the whole thing, but the organization itself is running in a decentralized way. Yes. But that also means that everybody who's running it is incentivized to make sure that it's running in a proper way. Yeah. You're so fixing, it's different. Yes, you're fixing a lot of problems. I think you're fixing um, a founder problem because as soon as a founder is hit by the bus <laughs> or right. or loses interest staff founders commit to seven years of their life is you have a lot of stories about these people in the media but most founder doesn't no. go that far no and i think there is a big i think these things are very very early stage still so i think you will see a lot of innovation going on here as well um there is no simplicity like n not all businesses are made to to be decentralized, I believe. Like I think I can come up with tons of products that I didn't, don't think necessarily uh, 
would be developed or scaled very well from a big organization. Yep. But I think especially anything around gaming and media, um, entertainment is made for this. Yes. And I think this is also where our focus will be, entertainment. I, I see, us, see ourselves more as an entertainment studio than a gaming studio. I understand. Um, and, and I think, um, yeah, there is so much to do there right now. So um, we're just getting the pieces kind of put together, um, launching most likely one product very, very soon, and have a few other tracks that we want to start on as soon as the brain allows it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say this, and this gets back to something you said at the beginning of this conversation. You do seem really happy. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm happy. <laughs> I can feel it. It's, it's a good, it's a good time to be alive. Yeah. I am happy because it's, I would say what excites me right now is innovation has never been, it's been the last 10 years in web two has been, you could call it boring because innovation wise it's stale for sure. Yeah. It's stale because since the mobile, since the smartphone, it's nothing, all the same. yeah, it's, it's all the, the same, same, same. And big, big players have been running the game. And it's hard to compete, create innovation when you have to fight Facebook um, and these companies all the time. Yep. Uh, so the future is going to be exciting. Very. Very well, exciting. Why don't we end there? Sorry? Why don't we end there? Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a good end because it will be a lot of, lo lots of things to update next year. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> next year. Let's do this more than just a year away. Let's do it less than a year away. Uh, if you have time. I, I will make time for that, for sure. Okay. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much. Thank you.